Folks, this is Always Be Watching. It's our weekly discussion about what we've been watching on the television and other related screens. My name, Dan Barrett, joined by... Chris Yates. Dude, let's get into the business of it. All right. What have you been watching, Dan? Chris, I have been watching a whole bunch of things. But first of all, what if I talk about a show called Too Old to Die Young? I killed a woman the other night. I didn't feel any guilt or remorse. I just felt empty. Is that how you feel? Now, Chris, this is a show of mixed pleasures. Mm. And I somehow suspect that you will be very much into this program. Oh, okay. Okay. So, there's a couple of um, selling points on the show, which I don't know if you'll buy into them entirely. Right. Okay. But when you actually sit down and watch the show, I think that it might sort of latch into your sort of uh, love of dreamy things that waste everybody's time. Oh, great. Okay. I'm, but in I'm all the board. best ways. I'm, okay. I'm on board. So, the show stars Miles Teller. Miles he's, Teller. He's an LA County sheriff, and he's a bit of a dodgy dude. Uh, he gets involved in a little bit of crime taking around the place. Uh, his partner's a crooked cop. He's a 30-odd-year-old year, ma- year old man dating a 16, 17-year-old girl. Uh, she's 17 when we meet her, but as you find out in that first episode that we meet her, they've been dating since she was 16. Right, yeah. So, you know, he's sketchy as. Sketchy. The film, it's directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. So, he's the dude that made Drive. Oh, uh, yes. If you remember that film. It's got that dreamboat in it. Oh, he's an absolute dreamboat. That's all I can remember about that movie. No, that was actually... It had an amazing soundtrack. Oh, look, I mean, it does. And this is the thing with his films. and uh, They're very based around that kind of... They are. They're kind of like mood poems rather than actually Ooh. like strict narrative. Oh, I love a good mood poem. Uh, don't, we, don't we all? <laughs> um, yeah, so the thing with this is it's Miles Teller starring in it, but I kind of expect that it should be the dreamboat from Drive. Right. His name's just escaped my mind. Uh, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Goslemmy. Yeah, Goslemmy. How good, how good would some Goslemmy be right now? Very good. Uh, he also directed a film called The Neon Demon, which is apparently quite good. Sounds good. I like the title. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he's made a bunch of movies and people are either really into him or have no idea who he is. And they're very obviously very stylized. You can tell him by the title. Like, there's a kind Incredibly of stylized. Cool thing going the- on there. The other thing that got me through the door is that it's co-written by Ed Brubaker. Oh. Now, Ed Brubaker is a comic book writer. And this is his first sort of TV thing that's really, like, gotten off the ground as far as I'm aware. Mm. Uh, He specializes largely in, like, detective crime fiction. Mm. So, the books that he's done with uh, Sean Phillips, who often does a lot of the artwork on the books that he writes, essentially, they they kind of feel a lot like Drive in that the color palette is often sort of lots of reds and colors. It's got that very similar vibe. So, hearing that he's teamed up with uh, Wendy Ruffin doesn't surprise me at all. But what does surprise me while watching it is that while Ed Brubaker is very sort of structurally inclined and tells sort of just gritty crime dramas that adhere to sort of the narrative um, expectations that you sort of have, Nicholas Winding Refn likes to linger. Mm. And when he's got 13 hours that he's uh, (laughs) directed through this, boy, is there some lingering. Wow. So apparently you can watch any episode of this in any order. Oh, wow. And he's fine with it. That's fantastic. I love that already. Yeah. But scenes in this take, you know, four or five minutes just to do like the simplest of tasks. Things that would be, you know, cut away like 25 second scenes in other films or TV shows. Like he just really just milks every scene for what it's worth. So it's a dark, gritty LA cop drama uh, with a strong criminal element that takes its time to get through it all. It's 13 hours. Episode lengths vary considerably. 
Uh, when I say it's 13 hours, it's only 10 episodes. Right. Holy cow. So the first two episodes are both 90 minutes long. Wow. This is, you're yeah, st- it's absolutely selling me on it. I was, I was all ramped up to be cynical. Yeah. There you go. I think you're going to love it. I think so. So yeah, this show is not for everybody. No, clearly not. In fact, it's probably for very few people. How but did, I think how did it wa- get made, Dan? You know this, these stories. Amazon have the money. Yeah, wow. But also, there is a section of the audience who, if they hear that there's a Nicholas Reffin Windy... Nicholas Winding Refn movie right. or TV show, they will make an effort to go for it. Like, he is an auteur in every possible way. Yeah. And, you know, he's directed every episode of this. He's co-written wow. every episode. You know, this is very much his production. The last thing I can think of like that would have been the recent Twin Peaks. This is exactly it. So, oh this is God. the one thing I was thinking of through this entire... I thought of it a couple of times, even other things you mentioned. I mean, not not like you could specific, not like you could really watch any of those episodes out of... Twin Peaks out of order, but it really wouldn't matter that much. Having watched it all now, it's kind of like... You could maybe watch the entire thing out of order. I don't even know. I don't know if you could watch every episode out of order, but you could watch every episode as its own free-sending thing. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, in the way that that show... And, you know, people will say that it's a, like, 17-hour movie or whatever the time duration on it is. Like, I don't think that's really true. I think it is true to say that Too Old to Die Young might be a 13-hour movie. Wow. But it's also broken up in chunks that you can watch in any order. So, I thought it was strange that when it premiered at Cannes, that they had episodes four and five screened there, but nothing else. Wow. And I thought, that's strange. But having heard that you can watch it in whatever order, and I've only seen the first episode. Okay. Is it all available yet? or is It's it all no? available. So, oh, it's on Amazon right. Prime. Well, awesome. Yeah. It's well worth a look, and it will not be to most people's cups of tea. But I think it's... I don't even know if it's going to be a rewarding watch. I'm going to watch it all. Oh, I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah. Totally sold. Mm. Chris Yates, that's what I've been watching. What have you been watching? Um, I have been watching. I'm gonna, I'm gonna subvert your. I was gonna call that highbrow. Is that highbrow? I don't even. Maybe, kinda, arty at least. It is definitely arty. I have been watching a television show called Apple and Onion. Ah, Falafel said he can't come fix our pipes. (gasps) I hate it. You're going to sing a song, aren't you? Water. It's very, very wet. It comes from a faucet and onto your head. It's hot. <gasps> it's cold. <laughs> you pour it in a pot and clean off mold. Water. You can cry with it. Okay, Chris, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> I love I love stumping you. This is about the only genre of television show that I can stump you is on. Is this another kid's show? Uh, it's another kid's show. Oh, yes. God. But it's as a... Make it quick. <laughs> this is a very good kid's show. This is a, 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 an a, animated series. Um, that originally aired... Oh, it's actually a few years old for uh, Cartoon Network, but I think it's on Stan at the moment. In Australia. In Australia. Um, And it's about an apple and an onion who live together in a house and uh, share the world with various other anthropomorphic... Anth- how do you say it? Anthropomorphized. Anthropomorphic food, yes. So their friends are like a hot dog and uh, all this other kind of stuff. It's an apple and an onion living together. Yes. That is against God's way for us. <laughs> it is just so good. So, as I often, you know, as one of those people with young kids, I boringly talk about my young kids way too much. The five-year-old, um, we were like, you are going to love this show. It is fantastic. Sit down and watch it with us. Hated it. Couldn't wait to get away from it. Just wanted to watch the same garbage he always watches. It is. It <laughs> he is, went off to watch Too Old to Die Young. It is. Yeah, it is so good. So, I want to um, mis- also mispronounce one of my absolute favorite actors, Richard Aode. Aoyote, Aoyote, um, who people would know from the IT crowd. Who people would know from the IT crowd. They would know him from Travel Man, Travel Man, Gadget Man. 
um, Gareth Meringi's Dark Place. The Crystal Maze. And also uh, Eugene Merman, who, of course, is fantastic. And you would uh, people would know his voice from such uh, fantastic shows as uh, Bob's Burgers, where he plays Gene. So, look, I, 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 don't know, I don't know how much more I can say about this so show. So, this is an American show? It's an American show. Uh, it's... S- just so good like it's really it's it's short little little nuggets um like a lot of these shows are like maybe 12 minutes something like that and okay it, in, in the spirit of trying to understand it a little <laughs> bit more uh so you got fruits and you've got this apple and the onion they live together they get into mischief okay fruits um, and vegetables all living together what's it like uh it's really different like that's it i mean it's not like you know you could say it's similar to adventure time but it's really not it's not trying to it's not trying to be a, uh, any kind of big massive story it's really just about an apple and onion and who live together okay and, and it's a comedy it's a comedy very much so the um first episode uh it's not a deep introspective look tra- into the soul of an onion no in the first episode they're trying to make like, you cry <laughs> they're, they're, they're working together to finish this video game um but a cat gets into the apartment and then um the onion doesn't like the cat and uh, kicks the, and takes the cat and hides it somewhere and then feels bad because the onions, the apple's so sad about that and they have to go find the cat. And then was the apple the shaken to his core? <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, if you've got kids or if you um, just enjoy watching, uh, it's still going, which is nice to know. Um, yes, if you like the sound of Richard Aode's voice, which I do, you'll find it very, very, very rewarding. I do like him. It's a Cartoon Network show, yes, out here on, I think it's Stan, maybe at Netflix. You'll have both. Check them both. That's it, Dan, for that show. I know, I know it's, it's just, it's very, very good. It's, uh, uh, you know, because I like to talk about how terrible most of these children's shows are, because they really are just awful. This is not an awful one. So it's worthy of mention. Fantastic. Um, Dan, what have you been watching? I've been watching a show called Jets. You got shot? A shot. You got a shot. It's important to know what you're good at. I'm a thief. That's what I'm good at. When we all fall asleep, where do we go? Finally, a show based on the Paul McCartney and Wings smash hit. No, no, no. J-E-T-T. Oh, T-T's. This is an action drama starring Carla Gugino. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Carla Gugino head. Mm-hmm. Do you know who she is? Nope. I knew this was going to be a thing. <laughs> uh, people would know her. Look, I know her probably best from the film Son-in-Law. Uh, <laughs> I know her from the first 13 episodes of Spin City before they got oh rid of her character God. and went in a different direction. Oof. I know her from appearing in the spin-off film from Out of Sight called Karen Sisko, where she played the same character Jennifer Lopez played in Out of Sight. And Goodness Karen gracious. Sisko is one of these shows where it's the brilliant but cancelled. Like, it's an absolute shame that people don't know the Karen Sisko show. Right. Uh, so that was very much just a uh, female cop. She's not a cop. She's a um, DEA agent, I think. Oh, yeah. Something like that. A US Marshal? I what, can't remember what one she of is those exactly. Kind of, a fancy cop. We'll say US Marshal. Fancy cop. And just chases down people every week. You've got to do a lot of searching before you get to Karen Cisco TV. Oh, you absolutely do. <laughs> it really was not well received. Uh, people had, It was well received. It just wasn't well watched. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the critics loved it, but no one else. Uh, but people know you, Carla Gugino. Uh, she was in a Spy Kids movie playing the mom. She was a tough, sexy U.S. Marshal, according US to... U.S. Marshal. Um, there we go. The, re- the release, yeah. And she also reprised the character kind of in a... This is absolutely her in every way we can without infringing on copyright. <laughs> right. uh, in an episode of Justified. Ah, very good. Yeah. But no, Karen Sisko is just one of these shows that, you know, it's well-remembered. Yes. 
But uh, that's not what we're talking about. No. So she's in this show now. And I talk about Karen Sisko only because this is kind of like the spiritual successor to that program. This is made for Cinemax in the US, which is kind of like HBO, but a little bit more lurid. Ooh. Yeah. How's that for a 20 cent word? I love it. Yeah. Uh, she plays a woman who is fresh out of prison. Her name is Daisy Jets Kowalski. Hmm. And immediately straight out of prison, she has found herself involved in the criminal underworld and each week gets hired by various sort of criminals to get involved in schemes that are happening. Excellent. Now, I've only seen the first episode, which ends on a to be continued. I suspect that it's not serialized every week, but I think that there's maybe just a few episodes that bleed into each other. They're trying to hook you in. Absolutely. In the same way that her Karen Sisko series was based on the character created by Elmore Leonard, Mm -hmm. this has a very strong Elmore Leonard vibe to it. But the problem with the show is that I don't think that... Elmore Leonard has really interesting, fun characters that are brought to life through his books. And I think any movie that has adapted an Elmore Leonard book, the successful ones, and these are usually like your Out of Sights and Jackie Brown is Mm -hmm. another good one, the ones that sort of realize that you need sort of linger on the characters a bit and bring out like their... I don't want to use quirkiness because I don't really like no, quirky characters. No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, but yeah. yeah they're just, there's a strength of character that exists in all of them. And a humorousness. There's a humorousness without being sort of overly witty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But all the ones that succeed play on that. Definitely. Completely Jet, agree. I find, kind of lacks the ability to really sort of muscle in on what the characters are and really sort of just pull that sense of uh, exuberance out of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I understand. And they don't necessarily need to be exuberant characters in the world, but, you know, there's an exuberance that you feel as a viewer, like, watching them. That's a, yeah. Yeah. There's a very specific tone. There is, definitely. Now, yeah. this show absolutely wants to be one of these Elmore Leonard adaptations. Right. It doesn't quite get over the line, but it does have Carla Gugino in it, which immediately wins at the points. Mm-hmm. She's great in it. Uh, a lot of the supporting actors are really good as well. Uh, so, Giancarlo Esposito is mm-hmm. uh, one of the... He's in quite a few episodes of it. Uh, I don't want to say too much about his role. Oh, you've you know, already blown it. You find out the stuff. <laughs> uh, but he plays like a crime boss is probably yes. the safe thing you can say about it. Uh, and then it's just got a whole bunch of other faces that you kind of know from around the place, like Gil Bellows and yeah. Good cast, gorgeously shot. If you're interested in something that feels like Elmore Leonard... Give it a look, because this is the best you're getting on TV or in movies yeah, at the sure. moment. Just manage your expectations a little bit that it's not quite at that level. But it's still fun, and I think people are going to get a kick out of the show. It, do you think it'll be... So you're saying you don't think it'll be serialized the whole time? Well, I'm not too sure, and I've only seen the first episode. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But it, it's not playing out like it's going to... The story is not sort of suggesting that it will play out over 10 episodes kind of thing. Look, I don't know what it is that makes me think that it's not like a 10-episode serialized show. It might be like a review that I read around the place, or it might just be... Might have been the tone of how it kind just of Just the tone of finished. it. Yeah. yeah. And maybe it's just I read too much into it thinking about Karen Sisko as a series. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. And while she doesn't play a character that was as straight-laced as Karen Sisko was, because she was a very much a traditional sort of cop with, mm-hmm. you know, relationship issues was her... Her shtick. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of cops have got him, according to TV. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's, you know, she's great in her and carries the show like quite well. And it's such a gorgeous looking show. I think people need to check it out. But, you know, manage your expectations. Great advice. Chris, that's it for me. Do you have one more that you want to tell us about? I do have one more. So if I, I- pose the question, what have you been watching? <laughs> yes, I'll be able to answer that question. Um, are you going to ask it or was that it? Mm, let's say that was it. What, okay, okay, Chris, what have you been watching? <laughs> well, Dan, funny you should ask. I have watched a uh, fantastic film called Michael Hutchins' Mystify. 
problem is holding on to a fixed point for long enough to understand it. You know when there's one person in the room that has a special light, that was him. He was the complete package. And everyone wanted a piece of him. Michael always had that aura about him. Now, Chris, unless I'm mistaken, this played recently at the Sydney Film Festival. Is this where you saw it? I did see it at the Sydney Film Festival. I was very lucky uh, to go and see it there. I, I believe it was only the second time ever it had been screened in the world, following a uh, premiere in New York, of course. And um, it, uh, Richard Lowenstein, the director, was there to uh, introduce the film. And um, he's, he spoke a little bit at, at the end, which was a... I, I actually didn't realise that was happening, so I was quite stoked as a long-time In Excess fan that I am. Um, Richard Lowenstein has been at the helm of pretty much everything, I think, that has ever been filmed um, in an official capacity of In Excess. Now, I feel a cultural gap here because just based on my age, I kind of feel that I'm like a year too young for I think you NXS. probably were a, good, a bit too... Yeah, like it, it wasn't... Well, I guess I kind of got into NXS through, you know, older cousins and that kind of stuff. I had yeah. an older cousin who was a massive NXS fan when I was quite young. Because, yeah, I find people that are like about four or five years older than I am, like that seems to be where people are really obsessed about NXS. Yeah, look... But I look around my peers and like no one ever... Well, it's because most of what they did in the later years was utter garbage really yeah. you know like as far as post Michael I'm talking about um, you know we had the horror of the TV show and everything like that that they did it was all their, their legacy they did, they, they did their best to trash their legacy um, which is a shame because yes they were a very interesting band I was speaking to a very respected broadcaster at, um, to SER recently who um, was talking about oh he said I, I used to like In Excess up until oh, and he said I think Shabu Shabar which is maybe their third album out of about ten which I thought <laughs> was really interesting because he's a few years older um, than than me as well and so yeah th- you're definitely onto something there so I, I kind of grew up in the absolute heyday of the band when they were still touring around Australia and I got to see them in a very small country town um, when they were um, you know post kick but still kind of still keeping it pretty local anyway yeah so um, Richard Lowenstein was there uh, which was an absolute treat. Uh, he mentioned that they actually had to um, change, and he, he changed the edit of the movie between um, the screening in New York and the one in Sydney, which was about a two-week period. And said he would actually have to change it again because he noticed some color grading things that he wanted to fix up, which is very interesting, right? Like, as in that being something you can actually do in today's modern day and age yeah and this is kind of the benefit of film festival screenings as well we sure. can kind of see how it's playing with an audience make a few trims before it makes wider release yeah and I think and it is getting a wider release already it's already sort of booked for I think July it's getting a, a theatrical release um, which like which period of is of the NXS story is this so this on? is just my, this is the story of Michael Hutchins um, I was very like I, w- I went with a friend and we were very kind of like uh, you know we kind of went for a bit of a laugh like understanding like this is such a trashy tacky element to NXS and their kind of the way they've been perceived um certainly uh you know they were so big and they kind of made a lot of bad decisions and so there's a lot of especially like i say in the later areas you know they started as a very honest aussie pub rock band like all the rest but they you know they were a victim of their own success uh as so many are but this traces michael hutchins through so i i haven't even got to the to say that this thing is just absolute it's like it's spectacular it's the most one of the most gorgeous 
films I've ever seen, let alone documentaries. It's absolutely it blew my mind. It was not the like lighthearted. Sorry, have you seen Son in Law? <laughs> no, I don't think I have, but I'm going to write it down. Unless it does poorly, sure. It does. Uh, uh, yeah, cool. Yeah. I have seen it then. And also, no, no, it doesn't have Kylie Minogue, does it? That's Biodome. That is Biodome. <laughs> um, but this film stars Kylie Minogue, so it's basically the two the the two main things, the two main points of difference, I guess, of this with, with any other documentary I've ever seen is that there's no talking heads, so all the interviews are done. Um, as just interview, as audio in the background with names written up. And it sort of takes you about 15 minutes to realise that's what's going on. But once you do, it becomes really, it's kind of like, it's it's spellbinding, you know. So you're watching, you're literally just watching footage of Michael the whole time. He basically grew up with a handy cam and he took it everywhere he went, various different degrees of handy cams. So he shot footage, like obviously, uh, he shot a, an awful lot of footage over his life. Like I, I can't imagine that this is all he shot. And now we're putting it together, um, f- based on this. Did he shoot anything on his final night? <laughs> no, he didn't. Um, well, maybe he did, but it certainly wasn't included in the film. But um, there is, uh, it's it's striking to see a film and a narrative put together in a way where you don't have that familiar kind of like, oh, here's a picture of someone in a recording studio. Like it's refreshing yeah. and just, you know, it, it was it was mind blowing to sort of once that once that penny drops and it, you realise that's what you're into watch it just becomes this incredible collage of like imagery with these interviews threading it all together um, because he's filming you know so much of it himself you get that you get such an incredible first person perspective on his life that i don't think would be possible um in a in a traditional kind of thing and it and it may, really made me think about how i'm sure this is something we're going to see a lot more of now that obviously there's a lot more cameras and everyone's life's being filmed all the time now things are going to get very interesting in the sort of in the um you know documentary world is this a for fans only kind of a thing or would someone like me who feels like there's a generational distance away from it? Uh, look, I think, it? you know, if you really just wanted to kind of get, if, if, if you were, if you were, uh, I think it's f- for anyone who's interested in kind of a very intimate telling of a life story. Like I, I almost feel like there's a lot, there's a lot of music, nowhere near as much as um, what you might expect. And there was a, there was actually a cut without any of the music in it. So you can see that it would work. Yeah. Um, it's not like a concert film. Um, say where you would get you know whole chunks of songs or anything like that. The balance of that is actually perfect. I, I, I find it very hard to find, you know find fault with this thing at all. It's um, it was just it was just unbelievably gorgeous. He talked about the process a bit, which was interesting, such as uh, having three editors, having one that was very narrative based and one that was um, very much an art sort of focused uh, editor, and then himself. Um, with the kind of the inner knowledge and the filmmaking experience, and how he, uh, one of the, he said one of the biggest challenges was marrying those sort of three things together. But you can totally see you can totally see how that worked and how well he got the balance right on that thing. I think the only thing I would say that's even remotely negative about this thing is that it's just so sad. Like it's a really really sad story, and I wasn't expecting that. Obviously, it has a sad ending, but I wasn't expecting his life to be maybe um, filled with quite the amount of sadness and, um, you know, kind of uh, just bad circumstance. And, you you know, you always think... I know that you always think about these celebrities as having charmed lives and um, going through the the motions. And, 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 you know, if it's hard to feel sorry for them maybe when they go through rough patches because of how uh enjoyable you you perceive their life to be but he's just it was a very you know it was there was clearly a lot of um a, a very very strong streak of str- sadness running through his entire life but just and just it, yeah it was it was it blew my mind it was an incredible film and i think that yes it would transcend the um the, the hardcore in excess fans of which of course there's plenty anyway uh, they were very popular they were a very popular band and michael was the reason they were popular let's face it it's a beautiful man
I love him. I'm tearing up now talking about it. One, there's like, uh, yeah, and um, a couple of other things to note. Just um, Warren Ellis from the Dirty Three, the uh, incredible abstract violin player, does most of the soundtrack, and um, that that isn't in excess. So there's this really kind of nice, eerie quality of that. And I, it would be interesting to sort of revisit some of those. It would be interesting to see the the, the whole film scored with his um, soundtrack as it originally was, apparently. Um, and you know, just the the sort of intimacy of it is just yeah spectacular so highly recommended again um and i think that you know i, I think if you're an in excess fan you were going to go you'd go watch it even if it was um not as well received as uh, and everything i've read about it has kind of echoed my own thoughts luckily i read the things afterwards because there wasn't much about it at the time and i was expecting a really kind of schlocky experience which it just absolutely wasn't so it's fantastic so doing a quick recap, uh, it's Walter Die Young. You can find streaming now globally on Amazon Prime. Uh, the other show I talked about was Jet, and that is available in the US on Cinemax, but in Australia here we've got it on Foxtel. Apple and Onion, the, an, uh, the animated series that I discussed, not a kid's show, it's an animated series, Dan, is on the Cartoon Network, the very yes. grown-up Cartoon Network, and um, on Stand in Australia, and the Michael Hutchins Mystify film will be getting a general release in July in cinemas everywhere, hopefully. And it's also on Disney Junior. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. That's not really. No. That's just a joke. That was a joke. Little joke there. I get jokes. (laughs) I think that's the sign we get out, Chris. Thanks, Dan. It's been a pleasure joining you on this ride once again. That is the Always Be Watching podcast. Oh, it's been something. Uh, if people are interested in Always Be Watching, check out our website, alwaysbewatching.com. There's a free daily newsletter you can get there about screen culture with some TV recommendations along the way of all the new things that are debuted each and every darn week. If you like this podcast, leave a review. helps other people find the show. That's all we've got to talk about. Chris, it's been a pleasure. We'll chat next week. See you then, Dan. <laughs>